Good morning, HopeWorks family. My name is Jane Gilcrease, and I'm the wife of Luke Gilcrease. I want to welcome you. And before I read the scripture for this morning, I wanted to say a quick word on peace. Um, God has been reminding me time and again over the last days, weeks, and let's face it, at this point, it's been months, that despite the fact that... Um, most of these events have been out of my control, and there's a lot of uncertainty and unknowingness. Um, I don't have control over whether my kids are in school or out of school, whether my business is open or has to be closed. That um, I need to just continue to fix my eyes on the one who does have total control. And I'm reminded that we were born for such a time as this. And he has a plan and a purpose. And it's important to trust the one who understands all that's going on and rules all of it for his glory and for his good. And in the moments I don't understand and I wish I knew what was going on, there is peace to be found in the one who knows. He doesn't just give us peace and the peace that transcends all understanding he also embodies peace god is peace let's read more about that um, the first scripture is from judges 6 4 then gideon built an altar there to the lord and called it the lord is peace to this day it still stands at ophrah which belongs to the abiz rites and then from john fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Oh, thank you. So if you've ever been to a symphony, then you've seen that the symphony uh, begins warming up. And everybody's playing their own instrument. Everybody's doing their own thing. And it is purely chaotic. But then what happens? The maestro walks out. He holds up his baton. And then everybody submits to the maestro. And it's beautiful music. And you look around at the world around us. And we have a great deal of confusion. Everybody's doing their own thing. Our text verses from the book of Judges, how appropriate is that in our day and age? Because we read a descriptor about the book of Judges that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. If it felt good to them, they did it. If they perceived it was right, they did it. Never mind for what God said. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. This is our day and age. Everybody does what is right in their own eyes with no regard for a higher authority. And the result is the same as a symphony warming up. Everybody's doing their own thing. You look around at the wars, at the racket, at the riots, at the violence, and you see everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. And what we need more than anything else is for a world to submit to a maestro so that there is unity and there is beauty. And this is the peace of God. Now, we think we understand peace, but this world has no concept of peace. For example, Israel and the Palestinians constantly lob missiles back and forth onto one another's countries. 
And oftentimes you see in the headlines a picture of the President of the United States standing in between the the President of Israel and the Prime Minister of some Arab country brokering peace. But it's not a peace, it's a truce. And it's a truce that could be shattered in a moment in violence. Because deep down that false peace is distrust and hatred. I visited the Temple Mount where the Temple of God used to be. It's been destroyed. It was finally destroyed in 70 AD. Since then, a mosque, a Muslim shrine, has been placed on top of that Temple Mount where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, where the Temple of God was built, where the Holy of Holies was. It's where the Welling Wall is. It's where a Muslim site is. Christians pilgrim there. There's deep meaning there in our Christian faith as well. And I was there on top of this mosque of Omar with the Muslim shrine. And Muslims are pilgriming, pilgriming there from all over the world. Jews are pilgriming there, praying, because it's where the Holy of Holies was. Christians are pilgriming there because so much of our faith was drawn out of that. And we were walking around that temple site amongst Muslims, amongst Jews, and us Christians, and we... We're talking about Jesus. But if a temple guard ever approached us, we immediately stopped talking about Jesus and we started talking about American football to prevent some spark from igniting some sort of chaos. And it seemed so peaceful when the sun was setting, but I knew as the Israeli military, the temple palace guards, the Jews, the Christians, uh, the, the Muslims were all walking around. If somebody were to yell Allah Akbar and start running, machine guns would have started firing. It was peaceful, but it was a false peace. And this is the best that our world can offer, a false peace. But today we are talking about the peace of God. God is peace, and God wants to give you His very peace. And in His presence, you can experience the peace of God. We're going to, this morning, experience peace with God and the peace of God. Peace with God and the peace of God. Our text is Judges chapter 6, verse 24, but let me first set this text up. Let me put it in its context. Israel was in a season in their national history where they were being bullied by some neighboring, a neighboring country called the Amalekites. So much so that if Israel would grow crops, the Amalekites would raid those crops. And the Amalekites did whatever they wanted to do in the land of the Israelites. Well, there's one particular Israelite and he was in a basement because he was hiding and he was trying to grow some crops in a basement because he didn't want them to get stolen. He was afraid, he was frustrated, and he lived in a world where there was no peace. He was hiding, but that was only a false peace. But then the angel of the Lord, and many believe this is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord appeared in front of this man who was afraid and frustrated and had no real peace in his life. And the angel said, Arise, you mighty man of valor. In other words, you are my chosen instrument to be a deliverer. I'm going to use you to set your people free. And this guy said what we so often say. Uh, yeah, I think you've got the wrong guy, God. Gideon goes on to explain to God why he's the wrong guy and why God must be mistaken. He said, look, my tribe is the least in all of Israel. 
And my clan is the least of the tribe. And my family is the least in the clan. And I am the least in my family. He was the least of the least of the least of the least. And he said, you've got the wrong guy. And in essence, God said, that's why I'm choosing you. Because you bring no self-confidence to the table. You have no choice but to rely on me. You see, God is not looking for our ability. God is never looking for our ability. God is simply looking for our availability. And if we will make ourselves available to God, then by His power, He will make us able. God chose Gideon because he was the least of the least of the least of the least. And he wouldn't place confidence in himself, but instead, he would place confidence in God. And God would make him able. Will you say, God, I bring nothing to the table except for my availability? I will make myself available to be your instrument, to share your words, to be your instrument of love, to be your hands and feet. I will make myself available to offer up prayers, trusting that you will make me able for your glory and for the hope of the world. God is looking for somebody who will make themselves available and say, use me, God. Not because of me. Use me because of your grace. So God's strength came upon Gideon. He was afraid. He was cowardly. And then God's courage came upon Gideon. And this is when our text comes in. Judges chapter 6 verse 24. And then Gideon built an altar after this encounter with the Lord. And he called it, The Lord is Peace. That's our name of God in this series, the experiential names of God. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And because there was a peace within Gideon, it's not a peace that the world gives and can take away, but it's a peace within him that the world didn't give him and the world cannot take away. The kind of peace where you picture a bird sitting on a rock in a tumultuous storm on the coast and the bird is whistling and singing. Not because of the peace around it, but, uh, uh, not because of the peace around it, but because of the peace within the bird. And in the same way, Gideon had a peace within him and as a result, Gideon began being an ambassador of that peace and that peace began spreading around him. So, now that Gideon's anointed, he blew the trumpet. Guess what happened? 32,000 people from Israel, 32,000 men from Israel said, you know what, I'm tired of being bullied by the Amalekites. And they made an instant army. And they said, Gideon, we'll follow you. Guys, check this out. Gideon had so much of God's peace within him at this point. He looks around at this army of 32,000 people and he says, you know what, if we go up against the Amalekites with 32,000 people, they're going to think that the victory was because of how many people we have. So he said, we have too many people. We have so many people that we're going to be tempted to be self-confident instead of Christ-confident. You want to know what he did? He whittled the army down. He said, if you're afraid, go home. No shame, go home. 20,000 people went home. He now has an army of 10,000. Gideon said, we're still too strong in our eyes. We'll still take the credit. We'll still rely on self-confidence. And if we're self-confident, then we bring what we can bring to the table. And we desperately need what only God can bring to the table. So you want to know what he did? To make a long story short, he whittled that 10,000-man army down to 300 warriors. He said, 300, now we are weak enough 
to rely upon God. Now we know we bring nothing to the table and we will experience the power of God. They went in and they were victorious. The world, look at the riots, look at the violence, look at the chaos, look at the nations raging. The world is desperate for peace, but not the kind of peace that the world gives and the world can take away. The kind of peace that God and only God can give. And God gives this peace when He finds a follower of Jesus Christ who was weak enough to rely upon Him, weak enough to trust exclusively in Him, but who was bold enough to say, use me, God. I will make myself available, trusting that you will make me able. So, two takeaways. How we can experience this peace today, and as a result, the world around us experienced the peace. Like Gideon, the peace began within him and then spread around him. And the world around you, your family, your friends, the world around you desperately needs for you to be lit up with peace. The world around you desperately needs for you to be at rest in the peace of God. So, this morning we have two takeaways. You can experience today the peace of God and you can experience peace with God. You can experience the peace of God and you can experience the peace with God. The peace of God. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jane Gilchrist read it earlier. Jesus said, Jesus said, the Prince of Peace said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither, neither let them be afraid. What a promise from Jesus. The one who walked on water, the one who stood in the midst of storms, the one who said, peace be still, the one who stood in the midst of mobs and delivered people who were, who were bullied and abused, this one said, my peace, my peace, I give to you. It's a peace that the world didn't give you. It's a peace that the world can't take away. My peace, I leave with you. Let's read it again because this is so beautiful. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. These are the words of our God. Of the King of Kings. The one who went to the cross for us and conquered death. The one whose arms are outstretched and invites us into his presence to experience his peace. He said, my peace I give to you. You can experience peace. And we don't have to wait for the headlines to give us peace. We don't have to wait for the news anchors to give us peace. We don't have to wait for a little uh, glimmer of, of information that, that comes down from the executive branch or from the CDC to give us peace. We can have a peace right now, but it's not a peace that the world gives us. It's the peace that Jesus gives us. And like Gideon, it's a peace that fills our hearts and then flows around us. How do we experience this peace? Well, to experience the peace of God, one, know this, my mind is a battleground. Your mind is a battleground. Each and every day you wake up, you've got a battle to face. And this battle is right here. Jesus said, pick up your cross, count the cost, and follow me. And we start following Jesus each and every day and throughout the day by winning the battle in our mind. Listen, you can be loved by God and your sins can be forgiven. You can be a heaven-bound Christian, and still be tormented on this earth because you are allowing 
uh, the, the, the enemy to defeat you in your mind on a daily basis. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. The Apostle Paul says, The peace of God. This is the peace we're talking about. The peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. Have you ever experienced this peace? It's the kind of peace where you can be in an emergency room. And yet, you have this peace that passes all understanding. It's the peace where you can be standing over a casket of a loved one. And yet, you have peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace where you can be standing in the midst of a riot. And yet, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. It passes all understanding because it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense because the world didn't give it to us. It's not because of the world. It's the presence of God. And you have this conviction that all things are working together for His glory and your deepest good and the hope of the world. It's a peace that passes all understanding and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Scripture goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, if there's anything virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. Do you have peace? Do you have peace? Do you realize that every day you've got a battle to fight? The victory is yours. But you have to cast down imaginations, cast down strongholds. If a thought comes into your mind that you know is not of God, you have to get rid of that thought. And you have to say, Jesus, give me the strength to focus on you. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, that if we set our minds on the flesh or things of the flesh, it's death. But if we set our mind on the Spirit, things of the Spirit, it's life and peace. And so, what do you latch your minds onto? Well, we know what we don't focus upon. If you allow your minds to focus upon sin, if you allow your minds to focus on the chaos and the sarcasm and the confusion and the hatefulness of this world around us, then it's going to infiltrate your heart and mind and you won't have peace. But we have a healthy diet of the promises of God. And we focus on this reality. God is sovereign. We realize our mind is a battleground. So we cast down our thoughts and we allow our mind to focus on and stay fixated on this truth, this promise. God is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? Sovereign means God is in control. Did you guys know this? Listen. The president's not in control. The Congress aren't in control. The, the people that you see on the news stations aren't in control. The nations that rage aren't in control. God is in control. This means that God is sovereign. Your boss is not in control. Your company is not in control. Your doctors are not in control. God is in control. And we allow our minds to focus in on this truth. God is sovereign. And this means that God has a plan. I read once that a first copy of the Declaration of Independence was sold at an auction for $1.2 million. And that's amazing, right? But the amazing thing about the story wasn't the sell price at auction of that first copy of the Declaration of Independence. The amazing thing about the story was the surprising uh, discovery, the, the surprising location of its discovery. A man went into a pawn shop, rummaged through, and he bought a frame for $4. He didn't like the picture. He described it as a cheap, dismal country scene that depressed him. But he only bought it because he wanted a frame. 
that it was around. And when he got home and began investigating the picture a little more closely, he pulled back the canvas of that dark, dismal country landscape and he discovered, folded neatly inside, the first copy of the Declaration of Independence that he sold for $1.2 million. This is a metaphor. It gives us a picture of what God's sovereignty is like. Because sometimes we look around at the circumstances around us and it looks like a cheap, dismal scene that causes us anxiety and depression. But what we need to understand is hidden behind that scene is a treasure. And this treasure is the sovereignty of God, the plan of God. And God's plan will blend into reality, working all things together for the good giving you the deepest desires of your heart that God has placed in your heart, glorifying Himself through you, culminating trials and tribulations into a testimony. God is sovereign. We read about some people who place their heart's confidence in God's sovereignty in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. There was a king who thought that he was in control, and he was about to throw these three, Hebrew, these three young Hebrew men into a fire. And he said, you better, you better bow down and worship me and worship this golden image that I set up. And they said, look, king, we're not going to do, do that. Throw us into the fire, fire if you want. But we only bow a knee to Jesus Christ. We only bow a knee to our God, not to that image that you have set up. And they said, Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, they said, throw us into the furnace. The God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if not, we will never bow down and serve your gods. This is what it is to have a heart that's at rest in God's sovereignty. We're not going to bow down to fear. We're not going to bow down to anxiety. We're not going to bow down to depression. We're not going to bow down to what our circumstances say that we should feel or believe. We are going to trust God. God will deliver us. And even if God chooses to deliver us in eternity rather than time, God is the one with the master plan. We need to understand to have peace. Our mind is a battleground too. God is sovereign. Three, I am growing right now. And I'm not growing in spite of the storm around me. I'm growing specifically because of the storm around me. I'm not growing in spite of the fact that things are difficult and going in a way that I didn't plan it exactly as I planned it. I'm growing specifically because things are out of my hands. Uh, Psalm chapter 4 verse 1 out of the King James Version. King David writes, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Watch this. God has enlarged me when I was in distress. Did you see that? God enlarges our faith. He enlarges our character. He enlarges our anointing. He enlarges our, our boundaries. He enlarges our hope. He enlarges our compassion. He enlarges our humility. He enlarges our love for Him. He enlarges our love for a lost and dying world when we're in distress. Not when everything's going exactly as we planned, but when we're in distress. That's when God enlarges us. We have the peace of God when we win the battle in our mind every day through the Holy Spirit. We focus on a God who is sovereign. We focus on the reality that we are growing in Christ. And we focus on the reality that He is to be praised. Whenever you are, wherever you are, praise Jesus. Psalm chapter 34, verse 1 through 5, the psalmist said, I will bless the Lord when everything is going well. No, I'm sorry, he didn't say that. I will bless the Lord 
when I have enough money in the bank. No, it didn't say that either. I will bless the Lord when the coronavirus is a thing of the past. It doesn't say that either. I will bless the Lord when we have a strong economy. Wait, it doesn't say that either. My bad. I'll get it right in a second. I, I, will, I will bless the Lord when uh, my political party is in office and so forth. Wait, no, it doesn't say that, does it? I will bless the Lord at all times. On the mountaintop, I will praise God. And in the valley, I will praise God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Like Gideon, not in 32,000 men in my army, or 10,000 men in my army, but 300. Because now I have to rely on Christ. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Therefore, let the, watch this, the humble, the Leahs, the, the Gideons, the, the people who bring nothing to the table, the people who don't have ability, but who are daring to have availability. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. The psalmist said, I was young and now I am old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I can testify. I was young and now I am older. I'm still not going to say I'm old yet. I'm young and now I'm older. And I have still never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. God is faithful. And he's using this difficulty to grow you, to enlarge you. And he is worthy to be praised at all times. So a little litmus test. Do you have the peace of God? that passes all understanding, guarding your heart and mind, radiating from your life, creating peace around you. And the answer to that, are you winning the battle in your mind, casting down imaginations, limiting your intake of the world, whether it's the, the news or entertainment or work, the stresses of the day, limiting your, in, your, your intake, casting down anything that's inconsistent with God, focusing on the promises of God, focusing on the fact that God is sovereign, focusing on the fact that you're growing, therefore you can rejoice in difficulty, and focusing on praising Jesus. We praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. This is a way that you can experience the peace of God right now. And in closing, you can experience peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, watch this, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, peace with God. We have a holy, righteous God. And we are lost and dead in our sinfulness. And this discrepancy, this chasm, this canyon, this gap between a holy God and our sinfulness is eternal. And when we in our sinfulness realize that we're sinners and there's a conviction 
of our, sin, of our sinfulness and how we've rebelled against God and we haven't respected Him, we haven't honored Him, we haven't been holy, we haven't been pure, we haven't been loving. And because we've sinned, we must die because of our sins. And God is holy and just. And when through conviction, we have an awareness of this reality, of God's holiness and our sinfulness, we realize we desperately need somebody to broker peace for us to stand in the gap and bring our hands together in unity. And this is what happened when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He brokered our peace. And with one hand, He touches the holiness of God, and with the other hand, He touched us in our sinfulness, and He died. And He paid for our sins. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid that price for us, and He forgave our sins, and then He clothed us with His Spirit and the very holiness of God. And then Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, puts His arm around us through His holiness and forgiveness and the price He paid for us on the cross, and He walks us into the very presence of God so that now we can experience a sweet, intimate relationship with God. Jesus brokered peace between holy God and sinful humanity so that we can experience intimacy with the Father. You know, Jesus never sinned once. Never. Jesus, get this guys, not only did the right thing every time, He did the right thing every time for the right reason. In his heart and mind, pure and holy and loving. He never sinned. And when he was on the cross, he became our sin so that he could pay for sin, our sin on our behalf. But when he was standing before the human judge, it was a governor, of, a Roman governor who, was set, who set up shop in Jerusalem in Israel. His name was Pilate, Pontius Pilate. And Pilate was a politician to the core. He didn't have a lot of backbone, but at all costs he was trying to maintain peace. But he couldn't do it. With all of the power of Rome, with all of his political savvy, with all of his charisma, with all of his shrewd thinking and manipulating and conniving, he could not broker peace, but he tried. And he thought, if I don't have Jesus executed, the religious leaders that hate him are going to incite a riot. And then I'm going to be killed because of that, because of my authorities. If I execute him, then that's wrong because, because this man has done nothing wrong. And he had an idea, trying to bring peace. He said, here's the idea. These Jews have a, a tradition on their Passover to release a prisoner. So I'm going to present to them a known insurrectionist, a rebel, a murderer, a, a treasonist. His name is Barabbas. I'm going to present to them Barabbas. Do you want him to be released or here's Jesus? Do you want Jesus to be released who's done nothing wrong? Which one do you want to be released? The religious leaders through fear incited the right and the mob to start screaming, Release Barabbas! Release Barabbas! Crucify Jesus! Crucify Jesus! And he washed his hands of the matter and he said, Have your way! Release Barabbas! Barabbas had this prideful, haughty laugh. More than likely, he walked out thinking, The people love me! I can do no wrong! You want to know something? The people didn't love him. But God the Father loved Barabbas. 
And so they took Jesus and they brutally tortured and crucified Jesus as they let Barabbas go. Get this. God the Father had to treat Jesus like Barabbas in order to treat Barabbas like his son. God the Father had to treat Jesus, who knew no sin, like a criminal and crucify Him in order to treat a criminal like His Son. I don't know if the original Barabbas ever turned to Christ or not. Scripture doesn't say. But I know this. I am Barabbas. I deserved that cross And I have been set free because Jesus paid for my sins on the cross so that He could treat me like His child. And you are Barabbas. And because of Christ's sacrifice of love upon the cross, you and I have peace with God. What do you need this morning? Do you need the peace of God? Or do you need peace... With God. If you need peace of God, follower of Jesus Christ, set your mind on things above. Don't be casual. As long as we are in this life, we are in a spiritual battle. Stay sharp. Be focused. Win the battle on a daily basis because the world around you desperately needs for your heart and mind to be guarded with peace so that peace, like Gideon, can radiate from you. Do you need peace with God? Like Barabbas, you can be set free, but you have to trust in Christ and call upon Jesus Christ, trusting that He died for your sins on the cross in order for you to have peace with God. Would you stand with me, please? Father, for those who need the peace of God, then we pray that you would give them through your Holy Spirit the victory to have peace. Guard their heart and mind. Be the calm in their heart and spirit. It's a peace that the world didn't give us and a peace that the world can't take away so we don't have to have cooperation from the news or cooperation from the government or cooperation from the CDC or cooperation from the nations. We just have to trust in you. And guard our heart and mind and stay focused on you. Lord, let us be followers of Christ, soldiers of following Christ, soldiers in the spiritual battle, soldiers of faith, fighting the good fight, walking by faith, living for you, loving for you, walking in righteousness, sharing your good news. Lord, let us be soldiers of light who are sharp and who are, who are in shape and who are focused and who are suited up and who are just fixed on you. Lord, let us not become lazy in our minds. Let us stay sharp and focused. May we always have a promise from your word on our minds. May we always be hoping in that truth. May we always see you and your sovereignty and be at rest that you are the one that's in control. May we always be in a spirit of praise and thanksgiving no matter what's going on around us. May we be fixed upon you and experience your peace. And guys, for those of you who need to experience the peace of God, and you realize, I'm Barabbas. 
and I need Jesus' forgiveness. I need his eternal life. I need him to wrap his arms around me and broker peace between me and God. I need him to, to save me and give me his spirit and bring me into an intimate relationship with himself. I want to invite you to call out to Jesus right now. Call out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. I was the one who deserved to die. I am the one who sinned. Thank you for paying for my sins on the cross. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Change my life. Take over, Lord. Be my Lord. Take over my life. I trust in your work on the cross and your blood that was shed to give me peace with God. And in response to this, guys, let's worship Jesus. Right now is the time to start experiencing the peace of God. Right now is the time to practice casting down thoughts, casting down imaginations, focusing the world out and focusing in on Jesus Christ. And let's praise Him with all of our hearts. Let's sing of His praise. Let's sing of His peace.